All right, we are uh, still on the same outline. Somebody said that I, I purposely faked the witness, uh, sickness so that I could stay on the outline. <laughs> quite possible. It is quite possible. Um, but we are still on the outline, and if you have the outline, we're going to take off on point number 11. Continuing on the understanding of the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does, what it brings to us, and we have been focusing on the Holy Spirit uh, giving and giving rise to the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. The very characteristics of Jesus Christ, His character, God has planted within your heart through the Holy Spirit. It's a seed in your heart. And then, over time, through application, through prayer, uh, through communion, the seed grows. And in your walk, you become more Christ-like in terms of your characteristics. Uh, and I know some of you are saying, oh boy, he doesn't know me that well. And I, you, know, you hear me talk about all the, the warts in my own life. Uh, and I always told you that when I preach to you today and teach to you, I'm preaching to me first. Every word out of my mouth is pointed to me first. And then as it bounces off me, I hope in some ways it, it, it affects you. And so uh, I'm starting off today as, uh, with a, a, a section of scripture that I think now that you have heard me explain the fruit of the Spirit may actually be uh, more poignant to you, and that's John 15, Gospel of John 15, and we're going to get to this later as well, but uh, talking about the vine and the branches. And the key to understand this is that in order to be fruitful, yes, the Holy Spirit planted it in your heart when you were saved and you were sealed by the Holy Spirit, but now growing how does that fruit grow? Well, in order for it to grow, it must be planted with Jesus. The vines have to, and the branches must be planted together. If the branches are not clearly cemented in, into the vine of Jesus Christ, it will not grow. Uh, and now you have a deeper understanding of this section of, of Scripture. Turn to John 15, verse 1. I, this is Jesus now, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. What a great picture of Jesus and God, isn't it? Wasn't that a great picture right there? That, that God himself owns the garden. That God himself owns the garden. And that Jesus is the vine. Jesus is the connective point for us to God. I mean, how clear is this? I mean, you, re you read this, and it resonates so poignantly. He cuts off, that is God, he cuts off every branch in me, that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Let me stop. He's talking to the disciples. And what he's saying is you're saved. This is not about salvation, this, phrase, this, this section of verses, because there are people who misconstrue the theology here. And when it says later that a branch that is not bearing fruit is cut off and thrown into the fire. Well, here's what people say. Oh, well, there it is. You see, there it is. You're losing your salvation. It has nothing to do with that. You understand? It has nothing to do with that because he's saying right here, you're already clean. You've been saved forever. Nothing will take you out of my hand. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. All right? I want to make sure that nobody misconstrues this. And so here's the thing, though. God wants us to be fruitful. He has called us to bear the characteristics of Jesus Christ to the world. 
I told you that my father said often, every one of us has an obligation to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and sometimes even use words. Sometimes even use words. Meaning most times it's your life. The characteristics of Christ in your life. That's what this is about. Verse 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. There it is. You can't bear fruit. You can't be like Jesus if you are not connected to the vine. If you are not within Jesus Christ, fully connected into Jesus Christ, that vine that's planted by God in the garden, you will not bear fruit. And so uh, here's the thing. I mean, God wants you to bear fruit. So you must be in Jesus. Being in Jesus means what? It means in communion, in prayer, in study, uh, in worship. Uh, all those things constantly in, in, in the vine, in the vine. Neither can, the, can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Folks, there it is. Apart from Jesus Christ, you can do nothing. You will not advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. You will not draw people to Jesus Christ. If you are trying to do something separate and apart from Jesus Christ, you will not do it. It's not about your intellectual abilities. It's not about your giftedness to speak in public. It is all about you being in the vine of Jesus Christ. Uh, and so there it is. Uh, in order to be alive and not be a piece of dead wood, we must have the life of Jesus Christ within us. That's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit then becomes alive. God planted that seed in you. You have it within you. Now God wants to see it grow and prosper. Uh, and so there must be cultivation. And so what does this mean? It means that God prunes the branches. And what does that mean? It means in your life, from time to time, you may go through trials and temptations and suffering and persecution. And all of that is within the purview of God cultivation. God is trimming you and, and restoring you and lifting you up uh, because some of the things in your life are not really conducive to a Christian walk. I'm sorry to say that. You know that. We all have these issues and God wants to take that out of you uh, and he wants to uh, cultivate those parts which are conducive to a Christian walk uh, and that's why uh, Jesus described the father as the gardener. Uh, and so, really, as I've gotten uh, deeper into my walk with God uh, and, and have, have really focused on this, the fruit of the Spirit, this verse comes alive to me now. I never really properly construed this verse before. You know, you read this verse I mean, a thousand times as a Christian, and you go, yeah, I know, I know. The vine, the branches, the cultivation, you mind the branches. But don't when you realize that the Holy Spirit planted the very fruit in your heart and that now that fruit that's been planted needs to be cultivated, and it's all related to being within the vine of Jesus Christ. Uh, it, comes, it comes through. And you understand what, what pruning is. Sometimes pruning involves suffering, but there's a purpose in the pruning. Okay? We don't suffer needlessly. Suffering in the world is needless. I told you that. That when you're not within Jesus Christ, you get up in the morning, your life is a pinball machine. You have no idea where the next hit is going to come from. 
When we get up in the morning, we're going to take hits, but we know that Jesus is holding us in the palm of his hand. You understand? What a difference to know that we are within the will of God. We are where God wants us to be. He is controlling our life. Yes, we're going to have hits. Yes, we're going to have suffering. Yes, we're going to have persecution. Yes, our bodies are going to fail from time to time, but we have the assurance, we have the assurance that we will see him. We will see him. We will be with him. What a, what a, what a verse, understanding this. And so now we go from understanding the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives fruit, the fruit to every single one of you, and you all have all of the fruit within your body, within your heart. Now we're going to speak about the gifts of the Spirit. Very different. The Holy Spirit not only gives the fruit, but the Holy Spirit gives the gift. Uh, and we need to understand spiritual gifts. And spiritual gifts are effectively spiritual ministries that God determines the church needs. Now, I'm not talking about a church denomination. I'm not talking about a church building. I'm talking about the universal church of Jesus Christ. Throughout the world, across denominational lines, Jesus doesn't care what, what, what denomination you belong to. I'm sorry to tell you that, okay? He just doesn't care. When you get to heaven, do yourself a favor. Mark it down. Don't go in there. The first thing you say, hey, we're the Baptists. Because I'm afraid a trap door will open up, and I don't know where you're going to be going. But I don't think it's a good thing. Don't ask for that. Don't ask for that. You know, you know all the jokes that you've heard about various denominations getting to heaven and, 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 and all the jokes that flow from that, which are pretty funny, actually. But, but uh, um, honestly, honestly, uh, God doesn't care about denominations. God cares about your vertical relationship with Christ. And this is what it's about. And so this is what the ministry is about. The gifts to the church, the gifts uh, that God conveys to the church are to promote the welfare of the church universal. That's what it's about. Uh, and so there are three major New Testament passages that speak about the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, one is in Romans, one is in Corinthians, and one is in Ephesians. And we're going to make reference to all of them today, uh, understanding what it's about, uh, what, these, what these gifts are about. Uh, and so uh, we're going to be able to see Paul's teaching on this, which is so vital in, in so many ways. Some of the gifts <clears throat> uh, refer to the same thing in different ways, as I referenced in the outline. Two gifts occur in all three chapters, the gift of prophecy and the gift of teaching. Uh, they are the two most important gifts in the church, prophecy and teaching. Now, it's translated as prophecy, but really today, what it would really be expository preaching. That's what it is. Expository preaching and teaching is the single most important gift uh, that God conveys to the church. Paul tells us that that's something that we should all aspire to have. Uh, and let me say something about that particular gift. <clears throat> you do not get that gift by getting a degree in a seminary. You understand what I'm saying? You do not get that gift by getting a degree in a seminary. All right, so in other words, if you're a person, a young person, and you say, you know, that's a, that looks like a nice lifestyle, you know, not too much stress, not a lot of stress, a lot of off time, a lot of off time, basically just amping my game up on a Sunday morning, I think I'll go, 
I'll go and I'll, and I'll go to a seminary and, and I'll get a degree uh, in theology uh, and I'll preach. And what you find is that many, many graduates of seminary, I think the number that I saw was like 20%, drop out after five years. They're not called. You understand? They're not called. <clears throat> Look, I am a big proponent of education. I've spent my life being educated. Uh, but I'm, nothing in my education is advancing the fact that God may or may not have given me a gift. You understand? Now, you go, if you have the gift, if God has given you the gift and you go and you get educated, well, that's a wonderful combination that God has given you the ability to articulate. Maybe you learn how to speak a little better. Um, you, you have a deeper understanding of some deeper theological issues. Uh, and all of that is good. But the gift is the gift that comes from the Holy Spirit. All right? So this is why, folks, that sometimes you will see some of the least educated people, truthfully, get up and make a presentation on the gospel of Jesus Christ and you'll be awestruck. And then you'll see somebody with double postgraduate degrees get up and opine in an English accent as if we're, we're, we're hearing something coming directly from the throne of God and it falls dead at your feet like a dead fish. <laughs> Why? Because one person has the gift and the other person does not. All right? So what we're talking about is understanding the gifts of the Spirit, what God conveys. And here's the other thing that I want to say to you. There's, as you study what God does, there's no explanation why God gives the gifts to certain people that he does. There's no explanation for this, okay? It's not somebody's more holy or more righteous. No, it's not. It's not. It's that God has determined in his wisdom, based on how he sees the needs for a church or a people, that certain people are going to get certain gifts, uh, and that's what the Holy Spirit is about. Uh, and so to me, uh, this, this is a very, very deep subject. I'd like you to turn, if you would, to uh, Romans chapter 12. And what I want to tell you is that every single one of you has at least one gift. All right? You all have one gift. And part of what we do uh, in our walk with Christ is understanding that we all have a gift. We don't have all the gifts, but each of us has some gift. Um, and I want to read this passage here um, in Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each one of us has, each one, of us has one body with many members, and these members do not ha have all the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to to all the others. Let's understand this. We are all in the body of Christ. There's a head. There are arms. There are fingers. There are hands. There are legs. There are feet. Nobody can tell you that the hand is more important than the foot. Or your eye is more important than your mouth. Each 
aspect of the body was created in order to make the body function together. That's what this is about. That's what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are about. We have different, uh, look at verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophecy, prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Boy, this is a great verse, isn't it? Really. So here you have a list uh, of the gifts. Each of us have different gifts. All right? Each of us have different gifts. Uh, according to the grace given to us. Now, we don't understand why we have, have the gifts that we have. God gives us the gifts, all right? I told you myself that I spent a lifetime denying the fact that I should be getting up in church and speaking. Without a doubt, I didn't want it. I didn't want this. I didn't want to have the life that my father and grandfather had. That was too hard for me. I didn't want it. I, in fact, uh, I never got up and spoke in church. I never taught in church. I assigned myself to the, to, to the music. I played the organ, but I would not get up in church. Uh, I, I felt constrained when I got up in church. It's only when, really when I turned 50 years old, that, that God really put me through a, a washing machine in my life uh, and constrained me that all of a sudden, uh, and spoke to my heart, and I actually heard God speak to me. You see, you can get up in courtrooms all over America, and I never once heard you get up and speak about me. Okay, oh God, and I never forget that day as long as I live, that, that God spoke like that to my heart. What did that mean? It meant this. It meant he expected me to get up in public and speak about him. I could not deny, I could not deny what he had given me, even though I had spent a lifetime really not being prepared uh, to come to terms with it. Uh, and and uh, I told a story yesterday, which I have not shared here, uh, that when I was 22 years old, and uh, I, I started to attend law school. My grandfather, who was a, a well-known missionary throughout Italy and, and a, a great preacher in his own right, was w with my aunt, uh, and my aunt mentioned to him, isn't it great that Johnny is going to law school? And my grandfather said, well, that's good. He can go to law school. But God has revealed to my heart, and this was his words, that he will one day be a great Bible teacher. said to my aunt, don't you ever, I want you to understand what, you're, what I'm dealing with. Don't you ever tell anybody what you just told me. Don't tell my mother or father. Don't tell anybody in the church. I want this shut down. And I, I frightened her to such an extent that she never said a word. And 50 years later, 50 years later, she comes here. She comes down to visit because she had heard sat in the class, afterwards came up to me and went like this, you remember what your grandfather said? <laughs> oh yeah, I remember. And that's the, that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. You understand? That even when you deny it, even when you deny it, that God will find a way to shake you up, all right? And so you look at this, you look at this list, it's unbelievable, uh, as he talks about, if the, man's, if the man's gift is prophesying, and that's really, let's call it preaching slash teaching, 
then, then he, sh- he should use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. Let me show you that. What a gift it is. What a gift it is that God has given you to serve. A heart to serve. There are people here who go down to St. Matthew's house. There are people here who go down to the prisons. You are serving God. Yes, I know, it looks like it's human beings, but no, let me tell you something, folks, you're serving God. The very act of service that you're doing is a gift that the Holy Spirit has given you, a love for the lost. What a gift that is. Uh, if it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. Oh, Lord Jesus, let there be more encouragers. Let there be more encouragers in the church instead of the, the, the gift of criticism. Somehow, I don't see that gift in the list of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I don't see the critical analysis, the critic. I don't see that. Instead, I see the gift of encouragement, meaning you see somebody who is trying to serve God, you lift them up, you encourage them, you tell, you say to your pastor, I appreciate what you're doing, you're, you're, you're advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see people who are down at St. Matthew's house or in the prisons or in so many different ways lifting up God. You say to them, I appreciate what you're doing, brother and sister, you're advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be an encourager. Encourage your spouse. Encourage your spouse, encourage your children. Be the kind of uplifting presence that when you walk into a room, people say, oh, I love that person. I love to be with him. Why? Why? Because he's a critic? No. No, because there's a spirit of encouragement and affirmation. Don't you see that this comes from the Holy Spirit? This is the Holy Spirit. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. How about that gift, folks? We're not talking here. I don't have to talk about tithing. You understand? I don't have to talk about tithing. If you've been given affluence, then God expects you to have the gift of giving to others, to have a heart that when you see the downfallen, when you see the downtrodden, when you see those who are hurting, that you you can't wait to give back to God what he's given you. That is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Understand that? That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, And when you see that, uh, let him give, if it is leadership, let him govern diligently. Oh gosh, we need godly leaders. We need leaders who are sold out to Jesus Christ. If God has given you the spirit of leadership and humility, and humility uh, I hope that you stand up and, and be a leader. And by the way, everything that we say is done in humility. You understand? We don't, nobody, nobody should ever get up and say, I, I have this great gift. I don't know why. I'm, uh, the church doesn't recognize me. I should be up at the front. I have an important message to give that people, you know, no, 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 you, you, you'll never get to the front. God will never lift you up. God is never going to use a proud and arrogant person. There is not a single reference in Scripture to God using a proud and arrogant person. Instead, when you sub- submit to God, when you put your face in the dust, when you humble yourself before God, and the gifts come pouring through you. You don't have to tell people. The gift speaks for itself. Amen? Honestly, the gift speaks for itself. Um, and, and, and you see this here. Uh, and, and God says one of the gifts is the ability to show mercy. Oh, Lord Jesus, the ability to show mercy to have a merciful heart, to have a merciful heart. 
that when you see something wrong, that your heart aches and breaks, that you want to reach out and be the way Jesus would be. This is the characteristic of Jesus. This is a gift. And so what an incredible uh, explanation of this is. It's all done for the unity of the church. The united church of Jesus Christ across the globe. Not a denomination, but one unified people understanding exactly how God wants us to work. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is a great subject, I'll tell you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There's the litmus test, folks. You want to see the hand of God in any message? It's when Jesus Christ is raised up. When Jesus Christ is demonstrated to be the Son of God, then you know that God, the Holy Spirit, is there behind it. Anything else is not from God, period. End of discussion. End of discussion. Verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. What does that mean? There is one unifying Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God himself, who gives the gift. One Spirit. Many gifts, but one Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them and all men. How about that? All right. So all the gifts, all of the gifts are given by God through the Holy Spirit for, for the ministry of the church to develop the saints, to raise up the saints, to promote the, the message of Jesus Christ. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. There you have it. The gifts are for the manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the common good, meaning for the general edification of the body of Christ. That's what the gifts are for. That's what they're for. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. That means discernment. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. It is the determination of God the Father how the gifts are divided up, all right? Every single one of you has at least one gift. Some of you have multiple gifts. No one has all gifts. And so you see them here, again, uh, denominating what these gifts are. Uh, here, one of the gifts is, is uh, uh, wisdom, another uh, knowledge, another faith. That Actually, faith is a gift. Faith is a gift, meaning, meaning what? That you see some people that have extraordinary faith. Have you ever seen uh, some people who are, you look at what they suffer and what they go through and their faith is like a, a pillar. God has given that person a gift, an extraordinary gift through the Holy Spirit of faith. Uh, <clears throat> to another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. That means some people have a gift of healing. Look, 
I, 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 don't, I don't understand this all, all the way it is, but I believe that God in some ways will allow certain people to be used to effectuate heal, healing. I do believe that. I believe it's rare. I don't believe it's a universal thing, but it has nothing to do with the person themselves. You understand what I just said? It has nothing to do with the person themselves or the fact that they're especially righteous or holy. It is to whatever extent God dispenses a gift um, to, to another, uh, distinguishing between spirits. Boy, that's an important gift. Discernment. Discernment in the church, meaning not everything that comes out of a pulpit is from God. Not everything that you see on TV that purports to be evangelical is from God. This is an important gift. You need to have this. You have to ask God to give you discernment so that when you turn on a television program and you see somebody talking about some, some uh, aspect of faith, uh, and you talk here, you know, when you hear people saying, God doesn't want you to be sick, God doesn't want you to be poor, God wants you to be wealthy, God wants you to be prosperous, just send me 10 bucks and you'll be, and you'll be able to get a prayer cloth. I hope, I hope that in your discernment you go over to your TV and you go like this. And turn it off. Because your spirit should tell you this is not from God. This is not the, the Jesus Christ that called 12 fishermen. You understand? That called humble men. Uh, this is not the message of Jesus Christ. How could it be the message of Jesus Christ? Then the 11 uh, apostles, the 11 apostles, 10 out of the 11 died violent deaths. Where's the health, wealth, and affluent prosperity message? If it didn't apply to the first disciples. It's nonsense, folks. It's nonsense. And in your heart, the discernment of spirit should say, yes, Lord, I understand. I know not everything that calls itself Lord, Lord. Remember what Jesus said? There will be a day when they will say, Lord, Lord, we were with you. We went to the prisons. We, I don't know who you are. Get out of my presence. You understand? That's the discernment of spirit that I pray. That is a gift. And this is going to be an important subject that we will continue on next week. Understanding truly the gifts of the spirit and what God wants you to know and have and what you have in your heart that we ask God to develop. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this message, Lord. I ask you that it resonate this week in our hearts as we have a greater understanding about the gifts of the Spirit, Lord, that you, that you tell us and speak to our heart about the gifts that you've given us and that we, we elevate these gifts and we speak, seek to use them, Lord, for your glory, not for ourselves, but for you, Lord, to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be with our people, protect them, Lord, and especially since we won't be here next Sunday on Easter, I pray that each and every one of them have the most blessed holiday, that we, we again focus on what it's all about, the most important day in the history of the universe, the day that you defeated death, Lord, and gave us life eternal. We thank you so much. Lord, we ask you to make this resonate in our hearts throughout this week as we put all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.